Welcome back to the WTF1 podcast. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison. And with me on this edition of the show, we've got Hannah Atkinson back with us. Hi, Hannah. How's it going? Hello, everyone. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we've got an interesting topic to talk about today, haven't we? We do indeed. And <laughs> it's amazing that we're already only one round into the biggest F1 season ever at 23 races. It was originally going to be 24, but we're still at 23 and it's still the biggest season ever. And we're around in and we've already got major like rumors flying around regarding multiple drivers, multiple team setups, um, <laughs> and basically dealing with the ramifications of that. So we thought it would be a cool podcast idea to take advantage of the recent news and talk a little bit about four major teams and four major areas where there could already be murmurs of major change. And, well, if we're talking about incompetence, major change, and, well, what could possibly go wrong, Hannah, what would be the first team on your list to talk about? Could it possibly be Ferrari by any chance, Dre? <laughs> How did you know? I don't know. <laughs> it's not like we had a script written out or anything like that, but no, I thought I thought it would be really cool, listeners, if you could guess along with us that, yes, Ferrari were top of the list of teams to potentially talk about that could have a problem. Now, if you missed the Bahrain Grand Prix, first of all, what the heck are you doing here? Um, <laughs> second of all, let's catch you up quickly. Charles Leclerc retired on lap 42 of the Bahrain Grand Prix uh, just this past week, and it was a power unit failure. There's been alleged talk since then that it was a human error on the electronics installed on his power unit. Now, we saw in the news, Hannah, and I think you had to put it out there on Twitter before the race had even started, that they had to change the energy store and the electronics on his car before the race had even started. That was pretty um, eyebrow-raising, to say yeah. the least. And yeah. I believe you're only allowed two for the whole season on those particular parts of the power unit. So it means if both that they've used the write-offs, Charles Leclerc is going to be taking a penalty on the grid immediately in Saudi Arabia this weekend. Yeah, I believe it's confirmed, isn't it? He is going to take a grid penalty. It's kind of the worst way to go into the second race. You, you really can think of a worse way. I mean, Bahrain for Ferrari was terrible as is. And what Charles needs and Ferrari needs as a team is a race where they can just, you know, try their absolute best, even if they're not as quick as the Red Bulls, just get a solid second and third or third and fourth or something like that to really like get the spirits up from the team. But now with this grid penalty, it just doesn't look possible. And it's just one bad thing after another with Ferrari. I said this on last week's show, the best thing that could have happened for Ferrari, in my humble opinion, is a nice quiet weekend. They finish third and fourth, and just take some of the heat off them. We know Red Bull completely dominated the Grand Prix at the weekend. We underestimated probably just how much they were going to dominate the weekend. Third and fourth would have been fine. At least you could yeah. say, look, we're best of the rest. We're definitely they would have loved in- that. <laughs> oh, yeah. They were, we're definitely in second place. Okay, we're a while back, but our cars worked properly. We've got both of them in a decent spot. Maybe we can close the gap down, the, down, down for the rest of the season. Maybe some in-season development might help with that. Nope, we're talking about grid penalties after one round. 
won. Um, like I remember last year with Alpine, like Fernando Alonso was taking grid penalties in Catalonia, and that was like round five and six, and we thought, well, that's a disaster. Somehow, yeah. <laughs> we're talking about second round shenanigans. It it the story of 2022 was not just Red Bull's dominance; it was also Ferrari's incompetence. From strategic errors to occasional Leclerc mistakes, it became the story of the season. And we're already having this conversation again because there's been more stories that have dropped since then. We're already talking about Charles demanded a crisis meeting as soon as he got back to Maranello with John Elkin. And if you don't know who John Elkin is, John Elkin is Ferrari CEO. The big boss. <laughs> he, he you was, can't get bigger than that, can you? <laughs> no. CEO of, of the company himself, he wanted an immediate crisis meeting after the Bahrain failure. And I, I'm going to ex- assume that heated words were exchanged because, again, another technical retirement. I did the maths on this. I believe it's their sixth technical DNF since the start of last season. Wow, yeah. It's too many. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a lot. And Mm. if it's true that it was human error that caused this one as well, that's just team incompetence. I mean, yes, parts can fail. It's a mechanical sport. But if if it's a human error that's caused it, that's arguably even worse. And let's not forget, Charles Leclerc still has three years left on his current contract. (laughs) People forget he signed a five-year deal at the end of his of, at the end of his 2021 season his second year at the team he signed a five-year extension so he is there until 2026 it's like we're not even talking about ferrari possible championships in 2023 even no. 2024 we're talking about ferrari scraping p2 it seems against aston martin which no one expected um but if you're Leclerc right now, I mean, Ferrari haven't won a championship in a in quite a while. Let's just say that, and years. it doesn't, yeah, and it doesn't seem like it's going to happen in the next couple of years. If you're Leclerc, are you thinking I've made an awful mistake to sign this this five year deal? Are you thinking I shouldn't have done that? Or, I mean, I suppose now that we've got a new team principal, we've got a new strategy team. Even if Ferrari this year don't have the quickest car. They might be able to show Leclerc and prove to him we can fix our strategy, we can fix, you know, how we race, we can stop making these silly mistakes. And maybe Leclerc will think, well, if we fix those things, when we have a better car, we're going to be unbeatable. And will that give him hope? Or is it too far gone at this point? Because we all know that Leclerc, you know, at some point over the years has said how much he wants to win a championship with Ferrari. He thinks it would be so special. It's an emotional thing for him as well as, I mean, I'm sure that winning comes first, whether that's with Ferrari or not, but there is probably something in him that would just love to win with Ferrari and that attachment that he has to the team can definitely play a part in his decisions, you know, contract wise moving forward. But it just seems like, is it too far gone for Leclerc at Ferrari? He's stuck. That's the yeah. problem. Like, he's stuck. There's only one team that I would say are definitely better than them right now, and that's Red Bull. I'd, yes. I'd say Merckx and Aston Martin, which is still a weird sentence to say after last week. <laughs> yeah. Aston Martin look like they're roughly on the same sort of level as Ferrari and Mercedes at the moment. Again, we'll have to wait and see how the season plays out. Development could play a hand in this. Bahrain being a bit of an outlier with it being a night race. 
could also play a small role in this. Mercs have got upgrades due. But Ferrari are still, at best, second. They could be as low as fourth, depending on how you want to slice it at the moment. There's nowhere better for Charles to go right now than where he is at right now. And I, I completely agree with you, Hannah. I think there is an emotional element of this. Jules Bianchi was his, was his godfather, sadly no longer with us. He seems like a Ferrari lifer. I, I can't yeah. Im- I, I can't imagine Charles driving for anybody else. That's the funny thing about it is that you don't sign a five-year deal with an F1 team unless you're very committed to what you think they've got because five-year deals don't happen in Formula 1. This is not like football where like you sign – that's like the bog standard. It's like a four- or five-year deal unless you're in your 30s or something like that. Like Normally, F1 deals are two to three years. He's gone with five. That's a huge commitment to the factory in general. And he's got three years left on that, and he's got nowhere to go because Red Bull are not going to move heaven and earth to get Charles Leclerc in. They don't need to. <laughs> Their team is good. They're, they've mm-hmm. got a one-two setup with Verstappen and Perez, and they don't need Leclerc as a number two. What they've got is fine at the moment. So I don't see them making a huge move for Charles. So Charles is kind of stuck. It's a great point. It's like, where would he go? if, Even if Ferrari were to go completely downhill this year, next year, where would he go? I mean, they are the second best team at the moment and Red Bull aren't going to take him. Is for, I mean, in a way, Ferrari is kind of the best place for Charles right now. Indeed. And like you said, you you kind of got to play out and see how this new era comes along as well, which is already, well apparently quite heated. There was news that dropped over the weekend that David Sanchez, the car designer, has resigned. Um, allegedly, he's on gardening leave. There's rumours flying he could be heading to McLaren, and we'll get to them in a moment. Um, <laughs> but uh, it looks like he's left and is apparently on the good old F1 term of gardening leave, the uh, the non-compete calls you, you get when big guys in F1 have to change over on teams. David Sanchez apparently resigned over the weekend. The strategy department we already know has been reworked with um, Ravin Jane taking over that. Um, and I know a lot of Ferrari fans are quite happy to see the back of the previous era after last season. And now there's rumours flying around in the Italian press. The Gazetta was reporting this over the weekend, their national paper, that they could be culling everybody from the Bonotto regime. So that's engine department, that's strategy. We've already seen that. Car design, the works. We're going to forget this. A bit Bonotto, extreme, isn't it? Just a tad. We're going to forget this entire Bernardo regime ever happened, um, <laughs> which is wild. I know a lot it's of people... It's a strong didn't... statement, but is it oh, the yeah. wrong move? I mean, to completely get rid of and change everything about a team is is crazy. I completely agree. I think it's the wrong move. You don't hear this in any other team, do you? You don't hear like and look, every major team that we know around them has had big reboots, big changes in fortune. Mercedes have gone from arguably being the best team in F1 to maybe the third or fourth in the space of the last two years. You don't hear them talk about culling people in the back and you know, having this ruthless culture. McLaren have had layoffs they've had struggles of their own and again we'll get to them in in just a moment but they've gone up and down the table red bull has had 
moments where they've gone up and down the table. The Sebastian Vettel era was amazing. It took them six years to get back to where they could challenge for a title again. But you didn't hear them throw out Adrian Newey or or Dan Fallows or anyone else of the of their major technical departments that were like, yeah, we're going to just start over. We've stopped winning. We're going to just completely turf everybody out. No, they rebuilt with what they had and eventually they got back up to where they should be via competent management and good car development. Ferrari, we're just going to slaughter everybody like like a, like, <laughs> like, like, like a Grim Reaper meme. Just like we're just yes. going to go through every department and it's like Night of the Living Dead and we're just going to cull everybody. I, I, there's always been rumours that Ferrari's got this sort of culture of fear that runs through it, where if you have a bad season or two, you, you could just straight up lose your job or they'll fire you. I don't get it, Hannah. I feel like you've brought in Fred and I, I don't, it says to me that Fred's going to want to bring in his own people and he's going to want to have his own style of management, which is understandable. But does this feel very football to you? I mean, you're a Chelsea fan, so you should know all about <laughs> like turfing oh, yeah. over managers and regimes and whatnot. Yeah. So how do you feel about it? Given that again, from other sports, I know it's not exactly the same, but the culture thing is certainly something that there's similarities yeah. there, right? It's, it's ridiculous to me in a way because, I mean, like you said, Fred will want to bring his own people forward. But I think something that is so great about a team is chemistry. You need chemistry. You need um, people to understand what's happening around them. They need to build rapport. That's one of the main things that make a team a team. Whether it's football or F1 we're talking about, I mean, in a way, there's both sides of it with Ferrari because Fred will want to bring the people that he knows and he trusts with him. But at the same time, that's kicking out the current Ferrari employees, the mechanics, the strategists, whoever it is. And they're the ones that know the team the best. Even if you know Fred gets on and has rapport with these people that he's bringing with him, that's not how Ferrari have been working at the moment. And we all know that Ferrari haven't been the best the last couple of years, but in a way you kind of need that chemistry in a team to be able to work and, you know, be a high performance. And it's the same with football as well. I mean, I, I just think that getting rid of everyone and completely changing something is the wrong move. You can bring in a new team principal or a new manager and they can bring a new light to the team and have new ideas. And that's great. But to completely transform, get rid of everything, I think it's just taking you back to, Step one again. It's it's certainly risky. It could work, it, and but it's going to take time, and that's something that a lot of Ferrari team principals don't have. This is their, I think yeah. it's their fifteen boss in the last ten years or so. So it's they they've cycled a lot of dudes out. Like you know, it's Arriva Benny was there before, and Bonotto's been and gone, and. There's been a lot of names that have been shuffled in and out of that Ferrari team in the last decade with no real success to show for it. And if we're talking about Ferrari and reboots after one round in a season, then I don't think things are all they seem to be at Ferrari, which is a bit alarming so far. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. I know I am. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk through things. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. If you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? 
It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash WTF1 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash WTF1. Watching Netflix without ExpressVPN is like going to a casino and only being able to play on the slot machines. Why limit yourself like that? Did you know Netflix has got different content libraries in every country? But without a VPN, you only get access to a fraction of that based on your location. ExpressVPN lets you change your online location so you can control where you want Netflix or other streaming sites to think you're located. Me personally, I've used the American Netflix many, many times to watch ESPN's 30 for 30 series, something you just can't get in the UK. ExpressVPN has blazing fast speeds, allowing you to stream in HD with zero buffering. And it's compatible with all your devices, phones, laptops, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. So be smart. Stop paying full price for streaming services and only getting access to a fraction of their content. Get your money's worth at expressvpn.com slash WTF1. That's expressvpn.com slash WTF1 to get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Let's talk about McLaren. Mm, <laughs> McLaren. Hmm. Now, McLaren is an interesting case. I mean, they've been one of the stories of the offseason in general. You know, they, 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 they were probably the biggest losers to come out of testing. We saw their reliability struggles. They didn't look particularly fast. Bahrain comes around. They qualify okay. Norris limps into 11th just about. But then both cars super struggle in the race. Piastri has an electrical failure and, and he has to pull out early. Norris was through the pit six times. Car clearly wasn't working properly. It's not great. I mean, you saw the pictures during testing, Hannah. Lando Norris is like a miserable man. It's like, like, how am I going to yep. juggle this and making videos at the same time? It's going to be a struggle. <laughs> yeah. um, it's it's not ideal. Um, he looked very despondent. Um, there, there's already been talk of a Baku upgrade that, that that's planned. They've pinned a lot of their hopes on that. I know when they had the car launch, they openly admitted that they they were falling behind. They said the goal was to eventually be the fourth best team. And that, yeah, essentially they're going to struggle in the early periods. They didn't hit their development goals. Hannah, this isn't looking good. And I don't think you want your star driver disgruntled. No, not at all. And at the moment, I don't know about you, Dre, but it just feels like there's no hope for McLaren at all. I can't no. see a way out of this dip from them. I mean, they I feel like they peaked in 2020. They got P3 in the constructors. Uh, Lando, I can't would, would that have been his second year in in F1? Second? Yeah, I think. Yes. Yeah. So he then, like getting P3 from his point of view is, okay, we can only go up from here. This is great. And then 2021 comes around and they don't deliver. They they get P4, they, they don't improve from P3. And he's thinking, okay, another year. It happens again in 2022. They, they're even worse. And now you're thinking this year it's completely looking <laughs> like they cannot improve whatsoever. We have talks about in, like upgrades coming in Baku. 
But right now, this, I mean, last year in Bahrain was a really bad start, but this year equally, I feel like is just as bad. Um, and if I'm Lando, I'm thinking how many more years can I put up with not having any improvement to the car and in fact getting worse and worse you just want to dip at the first possible chance if I was Lando but I can't see a way up for McLaren at the moment and we'll see what happens in Baku but I can't see a way that those upgrades will bring them to the front of the field like and challenging for P3. We evaluate McLaren in the context of major championships they're the second most successful constructor of all time in Formula One I mean it's easy to rag on Ferrari because Ferrari are well, just as high profile as McLaren, maybe even more so, given how iconic a brand they are. Probably the most recognizable in all of in all of automotives. McLaren's not far behind in terms of prestige, in terms of success, and it's easy to forget that McLaren's last major title was Lewis Hamilton's first one in two thousand and eight. They've not won a championship since then, either constructors or drivers since then. So they're also on a 15-year dry spell. It's it's weird to even describe them as that. They've come close a few times, but this era and the Norris era, since he's been in front of that team, he was part of a refresh. They got them back up the field when they they had Mercedes power in the car as well. Like you said, 2020, they peaked in, in third. They've had a win since then with Daniel Ricciardo at Monza. In, in 2021, a couple of years ago, but that's been their only win of the last decade. And that is alarming. Mm-hmm. And again, Lando Norris is another guy that could be stuck because he signed a three-year extension last year. And I'm sitting here going, what is it with these young drivers that are signing these huge deals? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's alarming to me. Like, I'm, I'm guessing Lando had a lot of maybe blind faith that McLaren would go back to being a top tier contender again when they were on the cusp of, you know, being the best midfielder for the last couple of the years. But it, it's funny because I remember Christian Horner openly admitted that he had talks with Lando Norris last year before he mm-hmm. signed the extension. And I'm sitting here going, you wouldn't even entertain a Red Bull seat right now. <laughs> and and you, you signed a three-year deal with McLaren instead and McLaren look extra struggleicious, mm. Like you said, Back you update is due. Wind tunnel apparently might be ready in June. There's murmurs that you know, but June's halfway through the season. Um, it's it's right before the summer break. So when are you gonna get dividends back on that wind tunnel? Is it gonna be a year away? Is it two years away? That's what worries me. And McLaren's taken some beatings over the last couple of years. Like their car side of the industry got battered when the pandemic hit because amazingly, people don't want to buy 200,000 pound supercars when the pandemic lands and we can't leave the house. <laughs> Crazy that, right? I know. They, they, they had to lay off 1,200 people. They didn't take the furlough money um, when the pandemic landed. So they got beat up in that regard. And then the results in, in F1 have slipped a little bit. They've gone from third best team to maybe fifth last year and they look a little bit lower than that so far this season there's not a lot of positive stuff to write home about with McLaren it's it's a lot of it is like again long-winded hope that maybe in two or three years time they could be back to where they were I'm not sure if Lando Norris can wait around that long 
he's already done five years at McLaren. Like, that's a long time. And he's entering his prime now at 24, 25 years old. You've got a championship level team that's that's eyeballing you. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what Norris is sticking around for. I wonder, Hannah, do you think is there a performance clause in that contract? And if there is, do you think Red Bull would take him on? I was just gonna say, I think if there's a way that Lando can get out of that contract, it's gonna happen sooner rather than later. And oh, yeah. if it does happen, I think Red Bull would not think twice about swapping him for Perez. I feel like that might be quite controversial because Perez seems like the perfect teammate for Max, really. Like what from what we've seen so far, you know, we've had a couple of hiccups in, you know, Brazil, Monaco. We won't mention it again, but you mm. know, there's been a couple of hiccups. But overall, I feel like Perez is the perfect teammate for Max. But in a way, Lando is such an upcoming talent. He's got so much potential. And if he is eager to get out of that McLaren seat, I do think Rebel will be eager to bring him in. Um, and I mean, if some people saying, I know in your hot takes Wednesday, there was discussion of if Perez leaves, who would join him? Would it be, who would join Max? Sorry, would it be Ricardo? I know, <laughs> I don't Kieran. think you agreed with that whatsoever. <laughs> Kieran's conspiracy theory that they're going to cull Perez mid-season for him. And I'm just sitting there going, no. Um, <laughs> We, we, is, we, is Lando more likely to to take that seat if Perez is kicked out of Rebel? I mean, you want my opinion on this? Go for it. Um, <laughs> wait. First of all, I don't know how realistic it is that Lando's contract will be actually cut short. If there's a way out, I think he will absolutely go for that. But do I think it's realistic? I'm not sure. He may end up having to stay for the for the remainder of his contract. If if there's one thing I've learned from Formula One is that no contract is ever completely ironclad. <laughs> yeah. And Daniel Ricciardo last year was walking proof of that. I mean, the numbers are a little bit up and down, but I've heard it's around they paid him around twenty million dollars for mm. him not not to come to work, which is my mm. idea of a dream, personally. <laughs> I've seen I, the memes of Daniel Ricciardo smiling in the Red Bull garage, being paid twenty million not to drive the McLaren. <laughs> What's a problem to have? You, you can basically yeah. just we can we can wear purple, drive a simulator every once in a while, and do all the media interviews you want for twenty yes. million quid of McLaren's paycheck. Isn't it <laughs> wonderful? I mean, yeah, oh, yeah. What what a way to live. I don't <laughs> think, and I've said from the start. I've said on Hot Takes Wednesday as well on many occasions. I don't think Red Bull's going to move Perez out of that team for Ricardo. Yeah. I don't think Ricardo is a huge enough upgrade to go. Well, we got to get rid of Perez now and especially given they gave Perez a two-year deal after Monaco last year a race that he won that they're going to go, "Oh, well, Perez is now suddenly crap. Let's get rid of him." Um yes, if the, if yeah. if the rebel is dominant, then they have no reason to move him. Especially if Perez is beating Leclerc on pace alone in Bahrain like we saw last week. That's ideal. Like, okay, Perez might be a long, long way back um, from Max in terms of raw pace, but as long as you're finishing second every weekend, points mean prizes. So I don't. I think- feel like a lot of these rumors that have come up about Perez leaving this season if he doesn't, you know, perform, I think it's just come up from fans hoping 
hoping that Ricardo gets a seat. Yeah. I don't think it's actually stemmed from them thinking that Perez won't perform or that he'll become a problem for Max. I think people just know that Ricardo is now, you know, reserve driver, want him in the seat so bad. So they say, oh, but if Perez doesn't perform, then Ricardo will take the seat. And realistically, I don't actually think that that would happen. Although I think I am guilty of um, saying in a previous podcast, oh, if he doesn't, if he starts to challenge Max too much, they might think they might want someone who's less quick in that seat, not still getting that P2 slot, but someone who can't challenge Max as fast, as much, sorry. Um, but now actually looking back, I think realistically, I don't think he will, he will leave that Red Bull seat this year. I, I don't think so either. I mean, for what it's worth, you don't give guys extensions if you don't think they're good enough. They clearly, I mean, Perez was stronger in the first half of last season, which probably helps. I think you're completely right. I think a lot of this is Ricardo fans trying to speak it into existence. So <laughs> I don't speak, blame them though. <laughs> I don't blame them because Ricardo is a massively popular guy. He's very likable and he was excellent at Red Bull. He won eight times in that team. And I don't think he had the best car in any one of those races that he won with them. That, that That's a remarkable thing. But he also had two years at McLaren where he was dreadful. There's no yes. getting around that. I mean, it depends. It's a sport of what have you done for me lately? And Ricardo lately has not been good. Yes, um, I think it's. A, I think it's. A, I think it was a shrewd pit, a bit of, of of PR from Red Bull to bring him back as a third driver. But I don't think there's going to be anything more to it than that. Um, as for Norris, <laughs> it's an interesting one. Like I said, if I think there is some sort of performance clause in that contract, and Contracts can always be voided or cancelled. I remember McLaren let Carlos Sainz go to talk to Ferrari in the first place when Ferrari wanted to get rid of Sebastian Vettel. Like, Sainz had an offer. He went to Zach Brown. Zach was like, no, I get it. Go talk to them. Um, it's absolutely fine. And then they had to strike off a year of his contract for him to go to Ferrari. So... Mm. It, 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 that's how these it things happen. They, they happen. There's always exit clauses. There's always termination clauses. There's always workarounds. It depends if Lando wants to walk away from that team that badly. And even if he does, does he really want to play second fiddle at Red Bull to Max Verstappen? Because you'd have to assume that Verstappen would still lead that team. He knows the setup. He's been there for, gosh, seven years now. I don't see him getting beaten by anybody else on the grid coming into that seat. So is Norris willing to play the de facto number two, I guess, in that scenario? I mean, if it gets him the occasional win and shot at success, then maybe that's enough for Lando as opposed to what he's at right now with McLaren in the midfield seat. But I do worry that in the long run, he'd probably get fed up of being the number two. I... I think you can go either way on this. I think there's an argument you can make on both sides of, of, of the aisle on it. Um, the easy way for this to stop happening, rumor-wise, is, is for McLaren to get good. That's Yes, of that's, course. Like, if McLaren has a decent enough car, these rumors will stop because mm -hmm. Lando is clearly loyal to you guys. He signed two big extensions since joining F1 with you. Like, give him a reason to stick around as far as I'm concerned. Um, Absolutely. And it's the thing is, if if Lando leaves before his contract ends, goes to Red Bull, for example, McLaren get good, he'll be kicking himself. He really would. It's kind of like Ricardo joining McLaren uh, because he sees so much potential in them. They don't perform. But 
if they start performing as soon as Lando leaves, that's probably the worst case scenario, right? Right, right, 100%. So next on my list of guys that we were talking about being potentially unsettled is, wait, I'm checking my notes here, Lewis Hamilton? Sorry, what did you just say? (laughs) Yeah, I'm kind of poking the bear on this one. I openly admit it. Hopefully he doesn't slash my face or go for a bag of cocaine. But it's (laughs) Lewis Hamilton here. And there's been talk of him being unsettled. I mean, if you heard the Bahrain race, Mercedes were very honest, very vocal. It's not even on my script, but you may have seen they wrote an open letter to their fans after Bahrain in the immediate aftermath saying, look, we're just, we're just, we're just as disappointed as you are. And, you know, there's a right way of going about it. There's a wrong way of going about it. We're going to get together, beat our heads together and knuckle down. If you're on board for this comeback, then great. If not, then that's okay too. It was very, very melodramatic. Like Mercedes are very big on the whole fan and community vibe they have as a team. And, like, let's be honest, a part of this is them realising that maybe putting out Puss in Boots memes before the season starts about how good their car is going to be, only for them to finish in fifth, might not be the best of looks. <laughs> yes. just, just throwing that out there. I don't, is yeah. it, I, I don't, social media is a tough gig. I mean, you would know, Hannah. I'm <laughs> yes, of course. But, I you mean, know. yeah, like you said, Mercedes... Apology to the fans is saying something, really. They're kind of setting us up for the rest of the season. Mm. And it does make you think, what is going through Lewis's head right now? Is he kind of... I mean, in a recent Sky Sports F1 video, he said he will not stop racing until he gets his eighth. And I was really surprised by that. It was in, you know, the lie detector video that they did? It was in... I just thought it was a really strong statement to make. And I was really surprised, not because I think that he doesn't believe himself, but I think it could be a long while until Mercedes are back at it again in the front of the field. And I say this about Lewis winning his eighth and Mercedes not being at the front, but I've just realized, you know, Lewis might not win his eighth at Mercedes. I I don't really see a Mercedes team without Lewis right now. It's really hard to imagine. And he's done 10 years with them. This, this, is exactly. year, this is year 11 of him with Mercedes. Yeah, yeah and I, I can't see Toto team principal Mercedes without Lewis. It just doesn't seem right. But, I mean, anything is possible, and Lewis might not retire at Mercedes. He might go somewhere else beforehand, whether that's a stronger team or not. Um, who knows where he thinks he's going to get his date, but he does at some point. But the question is, is that going to be with Mercedes or not? I mean, his the, the highest chance of it, Get him getting his eighth is probably at Mercedes. It does make sense. Um, we just need to see them improve and soon because, I mean, with Fernando Alonso, he's kind of proven to us that it doesn't really matter how old you are. But at the same time, there is a limit, of course. And is Lewis out of his prime? I don't think he's out of his prime, but it's definitely coming to the point where you question it. There's a lot to break down here. First and foremost, Mercedes look like a like a beaten dog at the moment. Like I heard Toto Wolf all through the weekend. I wrote about it on, on, on the website, WTF1.com. And I wrote about it a lot. And I'm, Toto looked completely despondent. He looked like a beaten man. He said it was one of his worst days in racing. He said that even with development, that this concept of car, he doesn't think will ever 
be truly competitive, which again is alarming to suggest, yeah. thinking that basically they're going to give up on their infamous zero side pod concept. We saw it last year thinking, oh, this is crazy. Performance advantage locked in for years, etc. And turns out it was a, a complete dud. They went from having the best car to the third best car. They might even be down to fourth now, given Aston Martin's shock rise up the grid. I know Toto said they've got an Imola package due in, in, in May, I believe that is. And that could get them three temps. That's not going to be enough. No, were, they, I mean, Toto said himself, it's not going to get them close to Red Bull in any way, shape or form. It's, it's not going to get them winning. Um, and that Imola package is is going to help them, but not enough. They, they, they were 50 seconds off the win. You need more than three temps. Three temps of that is not going to get you there. That's not going to bridge that gap. And Red Bull's only going to keep getting better because they're just going to keep developing and developing. I know they've got a cost cap to deal with, but they stopped developing their last car after the summer break. Yeah. That's how that's how confident they were that they had something, and they were right to believe that because they've they've beaten the brakes off the field this opening round in Bahrain. There's other ways to look at this as well. Hamilton is 38 years old. Now, as you said, you're absolutely right. I believe the way the world is now with modern nutrition, better fitness, um, all of those elements, you can have longer careers in general. Fernando Alonso is 41 right now, and he's driving as well as he ever has. Kimi Raikkonen went till he was 42. It's still rare, but the door is open if a team can facilitate you that you can drive into your early 40s. And Aston Martin gave Fernando a two-year contract, so they he's going to be there till his age 43 season at least. So. Yes. So that that is wild. So you could, we could easily see Lewis Hamilton, who is an incredibly fit man, go another four or five years if he wants to. I did see the lie detector said when you talked about on Sky F1 as well, where he said, yeah, he will not stop till his eighth. Now, I think that's a little bit, again, dramatic. Of course, he's going to retire at some point. Physically, this is an incredibly demanding sport. It's hard being on the road nine months a year. I mean, he's not going to be in F1 at 60, is he? No, of course not. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's 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 not like Michael Jordan when he came back for Washington in his mid-40s thinking he could still go. Like, there's there's limits to this physically. Of course there is. But he is also in the final year of his contract. Now, I don't think there's going to be tension regarding that. Everything I've heard from that camper said that it's just a matter of dotting the I's and crossing the T's, maybe deciding how much money goes towards the charity and all that. Because I remember the last time, like Hamilton was a free agent all the way until February and everyone was like, hey, why hasn't he signed this contract? <laughs> yeah. it was really- In Mercedes, it's like everything's going bad. But in terms of Lewis's contract, it's, it sounds like it's happy days. Everyone's on the same page. We're all fine. He wants to stick around. <laughs> Sunshine and rainbows. It's lovely. Everything is fine. I also know on the other side of the fence that there's always been this murmur that Hamilton's always wanted to drive for Ferrari at some point. Mm. It's like the one big elephant in the room. We've had all the big names drive for Ferrari at some point or another. Hamilton is is like the one that's gotten away for Ferrari over all these years. He did all those years at McLaren to start his career. And then when 2012 came around, he chose Mercedes. I think he was convinced by the late Nicky Lauda. It's like, hey, hey, we've we've got we've got a busted power unit. Just give give us a year. When <laughs> when, when 2014 lands, you watch what happens. And he was mm-hmm. right. <laughs> Hamilton then will win six more world titles in eight years. Um, 
I, it reminds me a lot of Sir Alex Ferguson. And that, again, listen, car fans, I get it. If you don't like football, turn the podcast down for a minute. Just, just so I can explain this analogy. When Sir Alex Ferguson at Manchester United won his last title with Robin Van Persie, he papered over the, the cracks of a really bad squad. So, and I think when Ferguson retired, he left a really bad team. And I don't think he wanted to spend two or three more years trying to rebuild to go again. So I think he just retired early and was like, Let's, I'll let somebody else take over. I wonder if there's going to be a little bit of that with Hamilton now. I wonder if there's going to be a bit of doubt creeping into his head. Because like I said, he's 38. He might have one last big contract in him. Um, I don't think teams are going to be lining up to sign a 40-year-old. Even if he is Lewis Hamilton, most teams can't afford him. And teams tend to pivot younger. You know, they, they will go mm. for Formula 2 graduates and they'll go for younger drivers. They think there might be prodigies down the road. Get, you know, invest in young talent rather than take on a 40-year-old for a short-term period. So I wonder, Hannah, if, if we're talking throwing this year out of the window in terms of development because they're not going to win the title this year. And then maybe even a, a part of next year to catch up and see how Red Bull recover to the cost cap. Do you think Hamilton can stick around for for maybe two, maybe three more years before Mercs have a competitive car again? Well, it, I think the I definitely think he can stay around for three years. I, I do think he's got it in him and I think he's motivated enough to want to do that, maybe even four years. But I suppose the question is then, will Mercedes be back on track by then? Or if by year four, we're starting to see them at the top of the field again, and year four is where they're improving, even year three, Hamilton still needs that time to adapt and have an amazing season in that fast car to win his eighth world championship. And by then, is it too far gone? I I feel like Lewis winning his eighth... If if Mercedes were in, if Mercedes were a really quick car and they were, you know, challenging the Red Bulls, he could do it in the next three years. But I don't see Mercedes being at the top in the next three years. And if that starts to happen by year three or four, like I just said, is it too late by then? I think it might be. I think it might be as well. I mean, if you're telling Hamilton, we'll get we'll get you a title contender, maybe in three years' time. I mean. Does he can he afford to wait around for the 2026 reboot? Because that's the next set of major regulations, different power units, etc. Can he afford to wait three more years for that? It'd be four, it'd be going into his 42 year old season. That's and a, also that's a big ask. Ta- exactly. And I think another thing to think about is Valtteri isn't his teammate anymore. It's George Russell. And it, if Mercedes are quick and they are challenging the rebels and they are fighting for a championship like they were the last, you know, so often, Valtteri isn't his teammate anymore. It's George. And I don't think anyone expected George going into his first season at Mercedes to beat Lewis on points. I don't think anyone expected. I definitely didn't. And George is a really strong teammate. And if they were fighting for a championship, I don't think it's going to be easy as it has been for Lewis in previous years, he's going to be challenged more. George and Lewis seem to be quite evenly matched. And even if Mercedes, even if their car improves a lot, will Lewis be guaranteed his eighth? Like he maybe would have done if Valtteri was his teammate. I don't know. He may lose it to George 
And to Lewis fans, that would be heartbreaking, but really exciting for George. Um, what do you think? Do you think that George is enough of a, a challenge for Lewis to be able to take that championship away from him? It's interesting because they have a very good vibe as teammates, but they've not competed for a championship yet. Not really. Yeah. And that changes people. We saw it with Hamilton and Rosberg, where they were childhood mates. They were best friends of about 15 years. They grew up in, in racing together. The moment 2014 landed and they had to start competing for a title, the friendship was over. Yeah. We had multiple clashes. It got very personal. It got very heated. I know from stories at the time, if anything, Rosberg's early retirement in 2016 was a bit of a blessing because I don't think it could have lasted much longer between no. them as teammates because they were at each other's necks by the end of their time together. There was rumors about hotels being smashed and Nicky Lauda was leaking and it was a mess. It mm -hmm. And Rosberg had put everything mentally into trying to win that world title that he eventually did. I don't think it's going to be like that with George per se because we've got no proof that this era of Mercedes can challenge for a championship yet since they've become teammates, which is the weirdest thing about it. That Right now, they're an upper midfield team. But I, I agree with you that I think Russell is close. Close enough or he's going to give Hamilton something to think about over the course of a season. And that could be another problem. Like, Russell might be too good for Hamilton to just sweep under the rug as a teammate. He's clearly the best teammate he's had since Rosberg, maybe in his entire career in terms of just sheer pound for pound, like ability. That's going to be fascinating to see if Hamilton does stick around, which look rumors are and talk is he probably is going to stay at least for another couple of years. And I, I said it before the season started, I, it was my teammate battle that I was most intrigued by because Russell did beat Hamilton by 35 last year, but there was mitigation in behind that. Hamilton gave up a lot of development and a lot of setup time to, towards trying to get their porpoising issues right. So I don't think that was the true margin uh, yeah. that Russell was better than Hamilton by, but it's fascinating stuff. There's a lot of different ways to look at Mercedes right now. And well, their number one aim really is probably going to be trying to keep Hamilton sweet because you don't want to open up the door that he might go somewhere else because that's the last thing you want to be used against you because in the eyes of many, he's still the best driver in the world. So <laughs> yeah. good luck with that. A lot of early driver rumors, a lot of e a lot of dysfunctional talk already, and we're one round in. Maybe there is hope for this season just yet, despite Red Bull completely running the field over. So let us know your thoughts. You can, you can tweet me at Dre underscore WTF1 on Twitter. I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on that. Um, we can tag Hannah on Instagram. I'm sorry, Hannah WTF1. You can follow her over on there. Again, she's the smart one. She's not on Twitter. Um, so, <laughs> so, so follow her over on that one. We'll be back for Hot Takes Wednesday on Wednesday with me, special guest, and your spicy opinions. But until then, I've been Dre Harrison. She's been Hannah Atkinson. Until then, sign arrow. Bye.